What is it that makes us procrastinate? Why are we so fearful? We know we want to do things. Why can't we just get up and do them? Everything seems so good in your mind, but then it's so hard to go out and physically do it. Everything seems so kosher on paper. But the fact of the matter is, most people won't act on that. Why? What if you were given the news that you had a brain tumor and it's inoperable? Would that change your your existence of how you think and what you do moving forward? Once you got that news, would you finally get up and do something? Because now you have a limited time? You've always had a limited time. Always. Life ends. I know it feels like it's not going to, but it, 100% it will. So why do we still procrastinate? We, everyone knows this. That life as we know it is going to come to an end. And there's so much stuff out there That we want to accomplish, but we say, no, I'll wait. I'll wait till tomorrow. I'll wait till next week. Right now is not the right time. There will never be a right time. You don't get to keep your health. Your health declines. The older you get, sometimes you start off with shitty health. But the older you get, the more likely it is that your health is going to decline and then you won't be able to have the energy or the capacity to do these things that you've always wanted to do, to make an impact somehow, some way. My next guest, Will Kaiser, I've known him since elementary school, practically my whole life. And there's not much more I'm going to say, but he's going to tell his story. He was just recently diagnosed with a brain tumor. And that changed his his whole outlook on things. He's always been pretty positive. But now it's just it's it's to another gear. And he tells a wonderful story. So I hope you all enjoy, and I hope there's just such a a magnitude of takeaway from this. Just this story, if you let it, can change your life. So I hope you do. Enjoy. Thanks for dropping by, Will. What's going on, man? Not much. Not much. I mean, there's a lot going on, but also <laughs> right now in this moment, not not always. It's it's strange, like the um, like the waiting room for these things. That's why I kind of like push and record right away and not say too much to you. Cause we're about to have this conversation and I always find it weird. That's like, if we hang out without push record, it's, it's like we're having the same conversation over and over again. Then it doesn't seem like genuine to me. So I like to do it all that's kinda, once, I think, right now. I think that's kind of why like leading up to it, I was like, I'm not going to give him as much information as I probably need to just for the, <laughs> the wow yeah. factor of everything that kind of has already been going on in my life. 
Well, you get it then, because a lot of times I have these guests on, and before the record buttons even push, they just like tell me all this information. I'm like, oh, perfect. So now it's not going to be like a real expression on my face, dude. Like, what that's are we going to talk about? <laughs> yeah, dude, I get nervous when everyone starts spilling the beans and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for not doing that. <laughs> I did my best. So, dude, we met. I was trying to remember. Was it was it Woods Creek or did you go yes, to West we- Elementary? No, I went to I went to Indian Prairie and then I went to Woods okay. Creek. So it was okay. definitely it was definitely Woods Creek. Woods Creek, yeah, yeah. And we played a lot of Little League together. Yeah. Is that how we met, you think, or was it like passing in school? I'm, I've tried I've tried to think about this before because I, I feel like we probably became better friends. I I wanna say it was like fifth grade. Yeah, I think so too. I think yeah. we knew each other in like fourth grade, but I think because I, I think you had the same, I think we had the same teacher in fifth grade, but I, my memory is even worse now these days. So it's so strange, man. Like I was bringing this up on another podcast. Like some people hold a certain key to a file in your brain and it's oh, like, you can't sure. access that. Like someone else has the key to open that. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's crazy. Like I, like it's, yeah, it's just like certain certain memories that I, I I told you about previously that like those like little like those moments I remember like very yeah. like clear and I'm like why do I remember that one thing but I could probably not remember 98% other things that have <laughs> happened in fifth grade <laughs> yeah, you, were, you were telling me about the Michael Jordan cologne and I know exactly <laughs> like the cologne that I had but I don't remember giving it to you so so I think what it was, was there was, it came with like a big bottle of it with like, yeah. it was like one of MJ, I think it's like the sole of his shoe was like the bottom of the bottle. Yeah, dude, it was. And, yeah. and then, and then there was like another smaller one. And uh-huh. I remember, I remember us being both obsessed with just how good it smelled. And, <laughs> and you're like, well, we have this, I have this big one. Like you can have this little one. And then I remember <laughs> like showing it to my mom when I got home, like, look what Jay gave me. And she was like, um, <laughs> yeah. And then I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure very shortly after that your mom ended up calling my mom and she was just like, Yeah, you have to you have to give that back. Yeah, that <laughs> sounds like, typical right, well, of my mom. Yeah, any mom really, right? Like Yeah, my mom would have done the same. She was yeah. like, That's not that wasn't yours to give away. That's kids though, man. Like it's hilarious because I have a five year old now and he wants to give his friends everything. Like all these Pokemon cards. He wants to give them like currency, <laughs> like money. <laughs> like, dude, what are you doing, man? Random people. <laughs> <laughs> he'll have his own youtube channel soon <laughs> no kidding man yeah they're obsessed with watching youtube and anything electronic oh, yeah. it's so weird do you have like you don't have any kids that you know of no i have i have good i i mean obviously not like a lot of my friends all have like toddlers and kids who are like even like getting older and kind of grown up like into elementary and middle school and it's it's crazy now because like like I've seen, I've seen the shift in, in people like who, like we went to high school with or like everyone like is getting married and having kids and you're just like, Oh, well I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to do that eventually? Is that like, um, one of the goals yeah, I, or no? yeah, I think so. Like I've been in relationships in the past and like they've lasted, you know, years and it just never ended up working out with whoever I was with at the time. And I think, you know, I, I think all those along this journey, I think I, I've learned lessons from all of those things and mm-hmm. you kind of like, I think over time, just you figure out more like everything's a everything in life has a silver lining and everything, you know, you can learn from every experience that you have. So I think like going through all these and like my last ex, like I'm still really good friends with her and she had a son yeah. from a previous marriage. So like 
it's um like I still get to see him all the time and it's it's pretty nice. Yeah, uh, the journey, man, the journey, but you can't get too caught up on that journey when we're talking about finding someone to settle down with because I mean, time does go by pretty fast and I obviously you're learning from all the mistakes that we we make, but it's like at, at one point you kind of just have to like dive in and be like, "All right, I'm going to try." I don't I I don't know what the future holds, but like analytically speaking like this one should be the one i I fucked up so many times and i know what i like now so this one should check out let's dive i didn't do i didn't do very well in statistics but i mean (laughs) i I do know that (laughs) probabilities and stuff someone should be coming along pretty soon We'll have a podcast about that next time, man. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully it's yeah. soon, not in a couple of years. <laughs> hopefully. Dude, so there's this moment that's like a void in my mind. And it has to do with a birthday party that you had. Oh, my. Think- oh no. I already know where this is going. I know exactly. Yeah. It's a sleepover. It's the sleepover. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> so, yeah, man. It's just like a void in my mind. So... I don't know what birthday it was. It was like 10, maybe around that oh, age or something. It was, fifth, it was fifth grade. It was fifth grade, right? I was trying, yeah. yeah. I was probably like, grade. I was I probably my, it was probably my 11th, my 10th or 11th, probably 11th birthday, I would assume. Yeah. Somewhere around there. And like, dude, there was just like all this rumor going around that there was like this huge event in your basement, like 6 p.m. <laughs> or something or some sometime at night. I don't know. And, and I fell asleep, dude. I didn't make it. I passed out on your couch and I never went down into the basement to see what happened. So it just, there's like this emptiness. Everyone else went down there, but I was such a bitch. I fell asleep, man. Here's the, here's the thing. Okay. I can kind of remember who was all at that birthday party, but like you fell asleep, but also, (laughs) but also I fell asleep. Did you- <laughs> <laughs> there were only there were like yeah, I, I mean there had that. been like ten there had been like ten to twelve kids there yeah and I remember like only I think you me and one of my other friends Mike like fell asleep <laughs> and no and I remember everyone else was like awake they nobody else went to sleep the entire and I don't even know like how like my I remember my sister was still living at the house and she was supposed to like work the next day and she's like all his stupid friends kept me up all night. So like, I, and she's like, I didn't get any sleep. So she did, she called him to work. Like it was, I just, I remember all I remember is my mom telling me, she's like, never again. We're never doing that ever again. <laughs> I'm, like, I, I'm like, I went to sleep though. I'm like, I didn't ruin it for, for Same us. here, man. I slept too. I was a good kid. <laughs> I think I got it. I, I hope I, I wonder if I could go back and remember everyone who was at that. I just remember Craig Tomaszewski was there. Cause I was hanging he out was. with him for a little bit. Yeah. Um, I think like Joe Ryan, probably I was friends I, with him. I, yeah. He, he came, he came late cause he had hockey, I think. Ah, and then, okay. I want to say like Matt, Matt Lugert and like Dan Grossnickel, like all those people, I think all those people were, there, there, were, there were a lot of people. Oh, yeah, there's I, a, yeah. There's a pocket of like eight people that are missing and I would love there to is, know. There is a pocket of people missing. <laughs> I, I feel like Tony, I feel like Tony Battaglia was there. I'll have to ask him. He'll remember. I, f- uh, I feel like because him and I had like a rivalry in baseball for a really long time. Yeah. Like a very friendly rivalry, but in little Dude, it was your birthday party. How don't you remember? <laughs> I'm just no. kidding. Like who remembers their 10th birthday, man? I don't I don't know. <laughs> I, 
I mean, I just celebrated 35, like, you know, a month and a half ago. I don't remember anything about that. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Happy birthday, dude. Happy belated birthday. Well, I mean, there's a reason for that, but we'll get into that later. We'll get into that later. Yeah. <laughs> so you can't, you can't tell me what happened in, th- in the basement. Like it's, it's still going to be a void to me. It's still going to be a void to you. I don't know what they did. I don't know what they did in the basement. And honestly, I'd be afraid to know what they did in the basement because it it probably wouldn't go over in today's culture very well. <laughs> if I had to guess, I'd <laughs> that's for certain. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's all we, I can think. That's all I can think. Why were we so tired? Was there like a reason? <sighs> I honestly have no idea. I think, well, I think for the most part, like I didn't have a lot of sleepovers to begin with. So like, I never really experienced like staying up all night. And also like, I just, I've always kind of needed my sleep. Same. So it's Same. like really, it's, it's really tough for me to like stay awake. And I've, I've gone to like, I mean, I went to a bunch of sleepovers later and like, even in, even into high school when I like stay places and I had friends who wanted to stay up all night. I'm like, I'm not staying up all night. I'm going to sleep. I'm tired. That's the one thing that kills me the most, man. Like even worse than hangovers. And I don't really drink anymore, but when I did like hangovers were so bad, but not sleeping enough. That was my Achilles tendon, man. Because if I didn't sleep enough, then I would be looking for like Xanax or drugs or alcohol to like cope with how shitty I felt. Like it's so bad. Oh yeah, it's I'm yeah I'm the same way. If I don't get enough sleep, I yeah I I I feel like uh I feel like I'm hungover or something. Like it just yeah. it's, it's the worst. And like yeah, I don't I don't really drink anymore either. So I mean I I pretty much I pretty much stick to the uh, the recreational marijuana yeah uh, how long ago well do you have like a couple beers every now and again or did you completely stop um i have like up until this past week i was probably i probably maybe had like yeah like maybe like a couple like or like one or two a week or like okay even before but even so probably not even that i might go out with someone and like get dinner and i would have like one drink gotcha yeah and yeah, yeah like now now it's not like that i don't really mess around with it dude the hangovers the hangover <laughs> hit so different i think i stopped drinking at 26 but i went so fucking hard from like 14 to 26 like hard and i think i did enough drinking for like an entire generation to come in my family so <laughs> i mean I, i'll have like two beers a year maybe i i think i overindulged myself this past years <clears throat> like a little bit too too much like and and when i say too much i mean i i had like i might have had like four or five beers and i was like oh man <laughs> and i did some champagne and like i woke up the next day and i felt like i had just drank an entire bottle of jaeger or something like from college do you get like crippling anxiety um <clears throat> not not really i just you- i get like i just like i can i can only I can only just like sleep or like lay there. I can't, I can't move around or do anything and I don't get yeah, hungry. Yeah. And I just, I'm like, I'm literally, I'm just like dead to the world. Like it's like passing time, time for it to like exit your system. So you can do something. <laughs> it's always, it's always around four o'clock in the afternoon. That's oh, when my hangover, there's a time there for me. There's a time and it's like four Holy o'clock shit, man. every, every single time. Like I could be hung over, <laughs> so hung over and it like, 
It'll last all day until like four o'clock. Like, all right, 340, 20 more minutes. All right, we got this. And all of a sudden it like just goes away. I get hungry. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm back to normal, kind of. Like, <laughs> Dude, how was your high school experience? So I I think I told you it was really your so like when I listened to your podcast about like your experience in high school, uh-huh. I was I was so shocked. Because I had like no I had I mean I had an idea that it was like like stuff like that was going on, but like I never knew to that extent. I was like my high school experience was nothing like that. Yeah, it's so wild, man. Like everyone just keeps it inside like their their high school experience, and we all kind of think it's like just a normal one, but that's probably not the case for most people. Yeah, I think um <clears throat> I think like I just my like and I'm my memory is not good. So like I could, <laughs> some of these things I like could probably, I mean, I obviously I feel them and maybe they're not exactly what happened, but I just remember a lot of people making fun of me a lot. Do you know what for? <clears throat> no, it was always, it was always something stupid. It was like people, like some people would call me names and I'm not going to name anyone out. Cause you know, yeah. But like, I mean, for a while, like <laughs> people were like people that like, I was kind of like friends with or I thought I was like, like would call me like trash or garbage and like oh, it's just Jesus. i know it was, it was like really like a lot of those things like at the time like i just kind of laughed them off to and then your like face or like behind your back and then you'd hear it from like, to my party. face oh jesus man <laughs> kids kids in high school are bold man they don't care no shit they <laughs> got so like yeah like i just i remember being called like all these different names and stuff and i'm like man i go like I just kind of, I guess, like repressed it or something, because like if like years later someone was like, "Well, what was your like?" asked me kind of the same thing, and I go, "I go honestly, I don't really remember a lot of high school." I'm like, I I remember baseball a lot. Like I remember playing sports. Yeah, but that's but like, like what three months out of the year. Yeah, and like it was, I mean, <laughs> baseball, and that was like you, you know, like the winter of like you go before school and yeah, just all you do is just play catch in the gym and then run. So, dude, oh. if you if you miss through it, they would used to make you do push ups. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was That's not okay. Like, so, there were so many. There were just so many things about like the playing high school baseball, like that. Always to me, I just kind of like look back at it. I'm like, that was so funny. What? <laughs> uh, how many years did you play of high school baseball? I played every year. I played freshman, sophomore. Oh, you played I, up I, to I, senior. Yeah, I was. Yeah, oh, I, I didn't. Know I that. was. I played. Like this is where I don't rem- I don't really remember like when I transitioned from playing third base to like strictly pitching cuz like I don't I remember pitching like my freshman year but I don't really but I also remember playing third base a lot. And then I think like I just kind of started just pretty much primarily pitching like sophomore and into varsity. I remember playing like the the doubleheaders on Saturdays I would always play like third base on the like the B squad. Same here. Yeah. B squad. That was, that was, I'm <laughs> like, don't B squad, dude. I hate it. Like the, I, well, the thing is like when, once you start getting older, like, cause I play travel baseball, like pretty much after little league. And honestly, the older you get, the worse I think third base becomes. Cause like, I just, I remember playing on a travel team when I was like 14 and there was a kid off the bat who was, the, the dude had, like was probably 35 years old at the time. Yeah, dude, just like 220, he's, like six. Oh, he was six. like he looked like Aaron Judge. I'm just like <laughs> I'm playing third base, and I remember like like my coaches being like like telling me to move in, 
and, and I'm you like, weren't, you weren't built back then. Like we were like kids. Like we yeah, were. The yeah, I mean, I was. We were like a fucking yeah, like, kid. Yeah, I was still like, like I mean, it's fourteen year old me. So like, yeah, I'm not like I'm not as fat as I am now, but like I'm a little I'm a little pudgy, but like I'm not I'm probably like five five maybe. Like I'm not <laughs> I'm not very like tall. Yeah, put Will at third. <laughs> And like, well, the, and I always ask them, like, I'm like, why third? They're like, you have like one of the strongest arms on the team. And I'm like, I don't think that's true, but whatever. <laughs> but all I remember is them telling me to like move up on this. Literally, this kid looks like Aaron Judge. And, I, and I'm like creeping in like inches because I'm like, this guy is going to yeah, smoke just one down this line. And zero time to react. Two pitches later, I he hit one so hard, and I tried to backhand it. And the coaches were like, "Get in front of the ball!" And I'm oh, like, "Fuck off! <laughs> fuck you! Get you fucking get you out get here in front, front of the ball, ball. Bitch. I don't care. I don't care if you're. I don't care if you're a forty year old man. Like you yeah. see that ball coming at you. There's no way you're getting in front it's of it. Like, I don't care bitch. who you are. So like, it, it just it was it was such a like tra- all the travel stuff was like such an experience, and like I. I got pretty, I would say I didn't have like the greatest of coaches when I played a lot of, like my, I didn't have the greatest of coaches, even though my dad did coach my baseball team, I think all the way up <laughs> I was 12, but like when I was playing in American Little League. That's right. And That's right. Uh, yeah, like that, that was fun. But then like, then I, I think I ended up just playing Babe Ruth. Yeah. <clears throat> the funnest for me was, uh, the main beach games, that league, that was I, like, dude, I love that field. That so field, I man, that's anytime a magical I think back, field. Anytime I think back to like playing like little league, that is the first, that is the first baseball field that I think of. Right on a lake, like was, the background is on a lake, and it's got this like MLB like uh, scoreboard. Right? Wasn't there a scoreboard yeah. back yeah, there? They had an electronic scoreboard. It was, it was yeah. It's a it's a sick it's a sick little field. Yeah, that's where my memories go, man. Is that and Babe Ruth? I didn't have any good coaches. My best coach was Nick Albert's dad. And like, <laughs> when were you team, wait, what team was? Wait, were you on the what team were you on? I was on the Cubs, dude. That's okay. That's what I thought. I was like, yeah. I I rem I do well. I remember you saying you talking about Nick Bambini. Okay, yeah, Nick Bambini. That so my dad was the coach for that, and that's when we were like six, seven, eight years old. Okay, around then, I was really little. Yeah, but we did. Well, we, were, we were playing really good back then, and then, <laughs> like, um, the main beach season hit, and that's when I fell in love with baseball. And then I fell out of love with baseball <laughs> when high school came around, and the coaches, I just like, they wouldn't play me, man. I was too scrawny. There's no way that I was gonna like get a, a fair chance, and I never did. Like that freshman team, there were so many people on that freshman team, though. Yeah, they like. <laughs> There were like 20 people on that team. <laughs> like, there's so many people. So it's like the 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 thing about what was funny is like you said when you played with Nick Mambini, and I was like saying in my head, I'm like, I played with Nick Mambini many years later when we were like when I was like oh. 19. I played. I switched from playing Babe Ruth to I went and played in Lake in the Hills. Oh yeah, I played that league for one year. Yeah, I played there from. I think I played two seasons there. I played when I was 19. I think right after high school. So maybe 18 and 19. Cause I, I quit the year that I couldn't, I wasn't going to be allowed to pitch anymore. Cause that's all I wanted to do. I didn't really yeah. want to do anything else. Were those like the funnest times of your life? Would you say 
or when when's the best times of your life like the golden era for you oh man um yeah playing baseball for sure like i i didn't think like I didn't think after when I got older and like I stopped playing altogether that I would miss it as much as I do now. Yeah. Cause it was just like having like in little league, having the, the slurve that I had, like, and no other kid could throw nasty. Like, it was stupid. Like it was that's, stupid. Oh, Will's pitching. I'm not going up the bat. Go fuck yourself. I remember, <laughs> I remember, I remember I, the one year I did play in Babe Ruth, I think I was 15 and I remember playing against Dave Curley's team. And he was like, we, he's like, we've been practicing hitting curveballs all week. <laughs> and I'm like, all I'm going to do is throw curveballs. So I'm like, oh, shit. good luck. <laughs> and I remember, I, I remember one time freshman year pitching batting practice. And I remember Danny Snyder being up there and I kept telling him exactly what I was going to throw and he still couldn't hit it. And that's <laughs> when my confidence boosted like so much was like when I could tell people that I was throwing it and they still couldn't hit it. Uh, yeah, that's that's such a gangster thing to do, man. You're fucking telling them what you're gonna throw, and then they miss it. Danny probably went to go flip a bus after that. He was probably livid. I think I think we were all laughing about it because it was. <laughs> I mean, it it was funny, and I I think like looking looking back at it, that was the. I think that was the time in like little league that I knew that I was probably pretty good. Was like when yeah. I could throw that because I, I could throw it at I could throw it at kids and it would just curve back into the strike zone. I acquired that pitch from you, I believe. I believe you showed me how to do that, and I fucking spent so much time, and I learned how to master that thing too. It's like it was. A, it wasn't a curveball; it was a slurve. And who else throws a slurve? It was you. Yeah, I didn't ever throw that like twelve to six. And to be never. honest, I couldn't. I could never really. I could never throw the twelve to six because I couldn't turn my hand the way that you need to to throw it. And I like have taught. I've tried to teach a bunch of people how to throw that that slurve, and I've. You're you I I know I've seen you throw it before, yeah, and I think I've seen maybe one other person that I've taught it to throw it like decently well. Where I'm like, okay, that's I'm like they're on my level, dude. It's but, like other people. Lethal. It just spins. It just spins like a frisbee, <laughs> and then it goes over the fence. <laughs> yeah. So like I playing in Lake in the Hills though was <clears throat> that was a lot of fun playing with like Bambini and I think uh, Mark Vargas was on our team. Oh, it was, yeah. it was, it was like, it was a lot. I had a lot of fun in that league because a lot of the people, a lot of the people that played in it weren't really that good. And there weren't too many. And I, I came in my first, I came in halfway through the season. Cause like the pitcher that they had had on their team, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know the full story, but from what I heard, he got drunk and told one of like the presidents of the league to like fuck off or something. And then they kicked him out. And he was like, <laughs> he was like, he was like 18 or 19 and he came okay. to like feel drunk and like, that's what I heard. So I, I don't know if that's a hundred percent true, but like, cause I signed up late, I got put on a waiting list and then they called me and they're like, you pitched in high school, right? Like, well, you, and then I remember getting there like the first day to their practice. And there was like, well, you're taking over like the best pitcher in the league. I'm like, I think I'll be all right. <laughs> and sure, why not? <laughs> I just like, when it came to pitching, especially in leagues like that, I was so like, I, w- I wouldn't say cocky, but I was just, I was very confident in what Pretty I could dominant. You know, like, I was like, I throw hard enough and like the slurp, like kids don't know, like, is he going to throw something hard or is he going to throw this stupid slurp that I'm going to have to try and figure out how to hit? Did you feel when you were on the pitcher's mound, like that was a home away from home, kind of like everything oh, went sure. away? Yeah. Like it just became silent. You were just like there. It was just like, oh, it was like a weird paradise, man. It's yeah. It like 
there i've i've tried you to explain to other people like, there's there is no better feeling than like striking a kid out yeah and just like and buck like throwing this a slurve and buckling people's knees and making them back oh, off the plate and then it being called for a strike like they're the, the the high that i get from that like will never i don't think i'll ever be able to top that ever again and you just don't even react you're just like you get the ball back and you're ready for the next one because you know your shit's so fucking lethal <laughs> Oh, when you when I like yeah, when my, slurve, at you like, <laughs> my slurve was on, man. It was just like yeah, dude. different. I remember, I remember my sophomore year, we were playing against Gray's Lake, and this was in high school. And I remember I threw, I only threw three pitches to the kid, and they were all slurs. I remember throwing one at him. He he, his knees buckled so hard. And I remember the third base coach saying, "You just got to stay in there, stay okay. in there." Yeah, easier. So the second pitch, done. He buckles, he buckles again. And I remember the third base coach, he goes, he's going to throw it again. Just stay in the box. <laughs> I threw the same pitch and he buckled again and I struck him out. And I just I remember matter. walking back to the dugout laughing. Because <laughs> I know, I'm like, this, this kid's going to have to run so much. <laughs> <laughs> that poor kid. When was the last time you played baseball? Oh, probably. I mean, it's probably been, it's, I think the, I think maybe, I want to say like, 12 years ago. Oh, I mean, like, Jesus, I, like I'll throw like in, in an actual game, like pitching to people probably like 12 years ago. Like, I mean, yeah. I still like, I still like, we'll throw a baseball around here and there with like friends and stuff, but it's a long time. Very, very long time. I also like, I mean, my health isn't the greatest. So it's yeah. hard to think about. <laughs> it's hard to think yeah. about. Every time I think about trying to get back into it and I'm like, all right, I'm going to start throwing, I'm like lifting a little bit, like trying mm-hmm. to get my muscles back. Like something always happens where it like sidelines me. Oh, that's and I'm just like, eh, well, I'm like, I'll get back to it eventually. Yeah. So outside of baseball for high school, what was like your your favorite moment, if any? <laughs> um, I I, I don't, like off campus PE. <laughs> oh, outside of high school, outside of high school. Um, <laughs> I thought I was still back in high school. Besides, I was thinking besides baseball. Um. Just didn't I'm have a good experience school. or what? Like it was like the from freshman to senior year was just like blah. Yeah, kind of. I mean, like ch- chased around girls that like. Yeah, I mean, it, like it just that was fun. Yeah, it was. It was <laughs> all right. I look back at it, I'm like, what an idiot. It's just it's so man. High schools. If you, you got to learn though, like, that's if you step back and look at what a high school is, man, you have kids that are like 14 to 18 years old. Like that is prime time for hormones of all levels, man. Oh yeah. You have like fucking kids that should be playing in the NFL and you have kids that should still be at home with mommy, like sucking on her boobs, like Mm -hmm. getting fed. Oh, for sure. And you have these kids in the same fucking hallway. Like that is just fucking terrorizing man like it's it's terrifying to even think about well if you really like if you really think about it like my like the my like well i should say our freshman year chris like like south wasn't like fully completed yet like it didn't have that wraparound of hallways like the poop plant was completed across the street (laughs) yeah (laughs) the (laughs) they're still trying to connect to that poop plant yeah Uh, (laughs) get there Put like a you know overpass from the school to the poo plant. Jesus, man! Like <laughs> <laughs> shitty, shitty experience. 
Yeah, real shitty. Yeah, <laughs> nice. No, I remember a dad? that was a dad joke. <laughs> it was. It was. Um, no, I remember like my freshman year. Like you'd be at the end of like D Hall or C Hall, and like going up and down those hallways was such a pain in the ass because like it didn't have that. It it didn't connect like it does now. Right, I remember. Yeah. So like, yeah. I think they completed it like probably our sophomore year. You literally have to walk from one corner all the way to the other, right? Like cross the pit and then into it was the impossible. Other it was impossible for you to go from the end of like D Hall to like the end of C Hall because like everyone's trying to go down one hallway and everyone else is trying to come out. So it's like there's and no one nobody even today knows how to walk on the right side of like a hallway. And Will, I have this great idea, this fucking wonderful idea. So while we ring the bell and everyone at the same time leaves the classroom, let's give them three minutes to make it to their destination. Otherwise, they get a fucking report. Like, they get in trouble, all right? Well, let's come do on, that. Jay. You have, to, you have to give people time to stop at the pit and chat <laughs> about what was happening. Yeah, that's <laughs> no. right, dude. So, Jesus, cell phones man. weren't really, you know, no one's, like, texting each other back then. What a weird experience. What a weird experience high school is. It really is. Do you think that our high school is normal compared to others, or do you think not? I I think uh, I think it's just like I an average so. experience. I think so. I think it was probably an average experience. I think it was for for me. It was probably a very average experience of like. I feel like you had more of like uh you had you had more of like uh this is what we see in movies type of experience, whereas I did not have that experience. <laughs> Was, what did I was you, not so, drinking at anyone's house. What did you think of me? Like before before I heard it or after I heard it? Um before you heard it, just what like what was your, your I've, thoughts on me? Um I mean I've always I've always knew that you were like a good person. Like even because I, I I think when you're like especially when you're in elementary school together, like no mm. no kid is really like faking being mean or like faking being nice. Yeah. Like you kind of see everyone's like true colors, especially like when you're kids. Wonderful. And like I just knew from I think I, I think I've always had a really good intuition about people to begin with that mm-hmm. I just know good I think I, I feel like I just know good people when I meet them and I know people like when their intentions are good. And I like I think I've always thought of you that way. Like you're just a good person trying to like do their best and support other people in their, you know, their journey in life. Yeah. You just want to see the good. You just want to see the good in in everyone and everyone you want like everyone to be successful. And that's you nailed it. That's how I feel. Thanks for seeing that. Yeah. Do you do you have a close group of friends? Because the way you just said that kinda tells me that you're very I don't know if picky's the right word, but you're yeah you're careful who you bring into your group. Uh yeah. And like I've had actually people who I've introduced tell me they're like wow you have a really good group of friends mm. i'm like it's not by like accident right like i've just i've weeded out the people that i feel like are bringing me down and causing like negativity in my life and oh man not, yeah. i'm not about that especially that's a, now that's a big one negativity in the group just like dude it can just suck the energy right out of you like that will that shit will change the human being you are Oh, a hundred percent. That's what's going to cause you to have anxiety and need Xanax. And mm-hmm. like those people are there to, to bring you down to their level. Cause they're not happy with the way things are going out for them. So like it's, 
I've I've done a lot of uh, I've done like a lot of soul searching and like deep diving into how people become the way that they are, like just reading different books. And I think I just now kind of have this like uh, like this is my life. Like you live your life because you have your own life. I have my life, mm-hmm. and like I'll live mine the way that I want to. And like I really don't let people kind of like tell me what to do. I just like this is my life. I'm doing the best with it, and like if you like you can give me suggestions on to do stuff but like you have your own life like if you really want to do those things like you can go do those things i'm not going to do them for you it's the backseat driver yeah it's right. ex- it's exactly <laughs> what it is i think i've seen that more in like um i've seen that more in like older generations totally and totally. i think it's like a generational trauma type thing yeah. i think we all kind of have some generational trauma so you said soul searching, man. Uh, let's let's go ahead and get into this. So you were just diagnosed. Like you want to go ahead and tell this whole story of what happened. I guess start yeah, from like is... the beginning. Yeah. So I know, and I kind of told you I would. So yeah. So like last year in June, I um every night before I was going to sleep, I would get this weird feeling, like um like a like a weird sensation like in my mouth or like like a weird taste or like a weird scent and i would kind of fall asleep and then i would wake up in a like a panic attack and i'd have like a panic attack and so this goes on for several months and then in november i'm watching football on a sunday i take a nap i wake up and my back hurts and i think really nothing of it but then a couple of days later it still hurts I thought like maybe I just slept on it weird. I go to my doctor. She gives me like muscle relaxers, and then, um, probably like three weeks later, I wake up and my from a, from a nap, falling asleep watching football. And um, real quick, did you always take naps like this, or was this abnormal? Your nap taking? This is probably more abnormal at this point. Like I okay. took naps, but not like I just I started feeling exhausted. Like I I constantly felt fatigued, and I just thought that okay. was normal for people. Like. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, people are just, you know, they're working hard. Like, everyone feels like this. Yeah, okay. So, I don't really don't think much of it. And you'll learn throughout this entire story of, like, when I start saying things like that, it's mm-hmm. me just being like, eh, everyone feels this way. Gotcha. And so, um, so December 4th, I, actually, I know all these dates because I've had to tell this story a bunch of times. <laughs> so, uh, December 4th, I, I wake up from a nap and my, my back hurts so bad that I'm having a hard time breathing. And, um, I can't walk. So immediately, like, inst- instead of calling 911, I call my mom and I'm like, uh, like you need to come take me to the hospital. Cause I'm like, I, I'm like, I can't, like my back hurts so bad. I can't move. Were you so, like, like, I get- able to, if you wanted to like kind of twitch your feet or do you I feel kinda, like, I can kind of like, like I can walk, but it's incredibly painful. Okay. Like, okay. Like I need help. Like basically, I just need to be in a wheelchair at this point. And even like if paralysis to where like yeah, like so like even yeah, like even sitting in like a wheelchair was still like, and this is like my upper back is hurting. Like my upper back to like the middle of my back. Okay. And so they do like a CT scan there at in Good Shepherd in Barrington, mm-hmm. and um, they released me. Like I I don't remember what time we actually went in there, but I remember them officially releasing me really late, and uh, the the emergency room doctor who was like on the night shift was, uh, he goes, you know, he goes, for, well, first and foremost, everyone always asks me like, were you in a car accident recently? I'm like, no, 
Like I literally was just taking a nap and I woke up. And I think when I tell any doctor that I immediately get this feeling that they think I'm lying to them. That's and which, which I'm not. Um, Why would you? Exactly. I'm like, I just want to know what's wrong with me. So I, um, so he goes, well, he goes, the, the results from this, like your, your spine, he goes, it, he goes, it looks conducive of somebody who's like broken their back. Oh, Jesus. So like, I, I don't remember if I, I don't think I told you, I don't think I told you this part of the story. Um, so like, <clears throat> he goes, you need to go see a, a, like a back specialist. And then, um, like you need to have an MRI on your back or like more specifically my spine. So I go in, I get an MRI on my spine, and they say, uh, you, f- you have compression fractures in your vertebrae, your T4 through T9. I have, like, comp- I have literal, my, so my, my spine is literally broken. You're probably like, how, how could this happen? Ex- that's exactly what I'm saying, Jay. I'm taking that's exactly what I'm what saying. You, what were you dreaming about, dude? So this, so I go, I see my primary physician, I the back doctor, no one can figure out what's going on with me. They do a bunch of blood work, stuff like that. Then we go to January 4th. And January 4th, I'm, uh, I'm in a meeting with my, my boss on Zoom. And um, all I remember is my head kind of like, like it, it basically was a feeling of just getting really, really lightheaded. Yeah. And, uh, and I passed out. On the Zoom call? Yeah. I passed out, fell out of my chair onto the floor. Holy shit. Thankfully, um, like my, my ex at the time was at my apartment. And she called 911 because I was having a seizure. So I have a seizure. I wake up in the hospital, um, Northwestern and McHenry. And... They like are asking me, of course, like, do you know where you are? Do you know what happened? And I'm like, no. The first question I asked them was, I'm like, is my dog okay? That was your first question. My first question was, I was asking them if my dog was okay. Um, then they're asking me, you have a dog, right? I do have a dog. Okay. Her name is Cameo. She's like 12 years old. She's actually sitting right behind me on my bed, sleeping. Well, you're a good father. (laughs) I try to be. Um, so like I. Yeah, basically like that, the whole, like, I don't remember, I don't remember the paramedics taking me to the hospital. I don't remember like the, the ambulance ride there, which I was kind of like bummed about. Cause like, I've always wanted to be in an ambulance when like the sirens were on. It, like, I don't know why, like ever since I was like a kid, I just like wanted to like, just, I don't know. I, it was a weird thing. And I was like, I'm so of course, like when everyone, like my, my parents like come and see me like in the hospital or whatever. They're like, how, how, like, how are you feeling? I'm like, I'm kind of pissed off. Like, I go, I get to hear the fucking sirens because I didn't, I didn't wake up. I mean, I guess if that was like a fantasy of yours and you kind of missed out on <laughs> I mean, it, I wouldn't say it was a fantasy. Like, I wasn't going to sleep every night. Like, please do the night. <laughs> like, I wasn't like that. Tonight, <laughs> tonight's the night. Ambulance taking me with the sirens on. I missed so, it. <laughs> I um. So then, like, uh, so like a doctor comes in at night and um. So when I, when I was, I don't, they, they did a CT scan and an MRI when I got to the hospital of my head, like of my brain. Um, and so a neurologist comes up and he tells me like, you know, we goes, we found a small, I don't know if he said small mass. I think he said we, we found a mass 
or like a le- I think they said it a lesion. So he goes, we have, we found a lesion on, um, uh, on your brain, which caused your seizure. So like, basically my so then, so when I say a mass or a lesion, basically what I mean is a tumor. A lesion is just a nice way of saying tumor, because immediately when you say tumor, people they think cancer. So it's they're kind of synonymous with each other. Um, and I'm not a doctor, but that's pretty much what I've been able to gauge from that from asking the doctor. Um, and so, well, they use that term interchangeably. Yeah. And like, I, I kind of like the doctor that I had spoke to, like I asked him, I go, so I'm like, what's the, I'm like, what's the difference between lesion and tumor? He's like, it's pretty much the same thing. He's like, we just like to use lesion because it, the connotation that comes with it isn't as like negative as tumor. Sure. Which I was like, fair. That's fair. Yeah. And so, um, so I'm in, I'm in the, um, well, let me ask you real quick. Does it work? Using that that term rather, rather um, than tumor, I mean, you're a good person to ask. It it does. Like, I mean, at the at the time, I the reason that I always switched and I just told people that I had a tumor was because the first question you get after you tell them a lesion, they're like, "Well, what's what's that?" Oh, true. And then you're just gonna. I'm like, well, it's basically a tumor. <laughs> so yeah. you kind of like. I just I kind of have like learned over time like how to explain things to people so that I I don't get a lot of questions not because I don't mind answering them but when you start telling like the story over and over and over again it's like you just kind of have learned where (laughs) where you get caught up in talking about stuff that's like totally irrelevant to the entire story um so like I get sent to to they they take me to Northwestern and McHenry and unfortunately, my health insurance um, only covers Advocate because of the the, the, medic, the insurance plan that I have. So my insurance is going back and forth with Northwestern on transferring me out of there to an Advocate Oh, Jesus, hospital. dude. So, like, I'm sitting in McHenry, which, like, the staff there was awesome. Like, I have nothing to complain about the staff. Um, but they thought originally when I came in there that I had a stroke. So they put me on a heart healthy diet, which basically means that all the foods that you get are super bland and they are so bad. They taste so bad. Not expect, I'm not expecting like gourmet food from a hospital, but like, but come on, <laughs> like I can do better than this. guys. Come on. <laughs> and so, um, <clears throat> so yeah, so I'm in there for like, uh, I think I was in there for three days and it basically, it was them coming into my room and telling me like, uh, okay, like they're, they're looking for a spot for you. And they were basically like, you know, good shepherd or Lutheran general in park Ridge or Sherman. And so I, I, I'm just like, okay, like however fast you guys can get, so I can get out of the hospital. Cause like, I don't, no one wants to stay in a hospital. And if you do good for you, um, but like it just it's it's so sad and like boring and no like you get woke up all the time for vitals and which I understand all the all the stuff behind it of course but uh but eventually like they they uh they're like I think it was on a I want to say a Friday they're like oh we got a spot for you we're just waiting for the transport so like you're sitting there waiting for them to come in and be like, they're like, okay. Um, the, they told me like at one point, they're like, we have a bed for you at, uh, like at Lutheran general in Park Ridge. And I'm like, okay, cool. 
And then like an hour later, I'm like, when am I going? They're like, oh, that bed got filled already. So uh, you're going to be you're going to be here another night. So not only are you dealing with this experience of knowing you have a, a lesion. Now it's like you have this kind of anticipation anxiety because exactly. you don't know if you're staying there. So it's like just what are we doing? You can't treat people like this, man. <laughs> I know. So it's 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 a it's a rough experience. Like all everything already is rough up until like. Eventually, they're like, uh, like okay, like it's so it's like a Saturday morning, and they're like, uh, okay, like we're we are transferring you today because like my insurance is, I think, complaining to them. Like we've been telling you guys to transfer him. Yeah, they're also waiting for an advocate to open up for me to go to. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, like they, they they're like the transfer will be here at eleven. Eleven rolls along, like okay, they misheard us. They're coming at one. Oh my god, man. And so I got to travel in an ambulance. The sirens were not. <laughs> All right. Got to be in the ambulance and get transferred to Lutheran General in Park Ridge. Um, and then they did another MRI, another CT scan to check my brain out. And then a neurosurgeon basically tells me, um, you have like a pretty, at the, it's what, at the time it was a low grade glioma and they didn't know too much about it, but he goes, it looks, um, He's like, I'm pretty confident that it's benign. Um, like based on like when you get a when you get an MRI, they they'll put like a contrast in you, which will yeah. when you look at a tumor, it'll light up if it's cancerous. Um, and usually if it doesn't light up like bright white, usually there's like no cancer in there, from what I was told. And mine like didn't light up super bright, so um He's like, yeah, I'm confident it's benign, but like we have to do like a biopsy. Mind you, what I've does talked that to like, consist of. Oh, I'll get, we'll get into it. Jesus, um, man. <laughs> so, like, like yeah, we'll we'll schedule you for a brain biopsy. And at this point, like, I've been, <clears throat> excuse me, like I've been told that, like, my the waiting game is like the worst part of it because they're like, okay, we're gonna do we have to do an MRI for you like an updated MRI because I got my first one done at Northwestern and now they want it because the records between hospitals, like you have to sign a bunch of stuff, but also getting it has to be on a disc. It's a huge, it's a huge, with all the technology we have, I would say that's probably one of the dumbest fucking things is like, they're like, Oh, if you could bring a disc with your, the scans of your brain on it with you, I'm like, I had the same situation with a broken bone. They wouldn't accept anything except for a disc from this, the exact doctor that I was at. Otherwise nothing else was like, I was, they weren't allowed to see it. (laughs) Yeah. It's so, it's so dumb. And so basically every day that I'm at Lutheran general, they, um, they're like, okay, we need, we just need to wait for you to do an MRI still. And like you're in on the waiting list for it. And so like one night they're like, because obviously my goal is to get this MRI done for the neurosurgeon to tell me what's going on so I can get the fuck out of there. So I have a nurse who like tells me uh, like, Oh, they, they run the MRI machine. As long as someone's here, like they'll run it 24 hours. So like you might get woke up in the middle of the night to do an MRI. And so she calls like the MRI department, like my, my night nurse calls at like nine. She goes, there's only four people ahead of you. She's like, you're probably going to go like in the middle of the night. So like, I'm not, I haven't slept. Cause I'm like waiting. I'm waiting for them to like, also, like all the different medications I'm taking, I this is where I have like insomnia. I can't sleep. You know what kind of medications they had you on? Um, I was on steroids, or right. 
um, the inflammation in my brain. Yeah. So, like the, the tumor, they were trying to cut down the inflammation. So I was taking dexamethasone and that's like, that was one of the worst experiences. I don't ever want to have to do that again. Um, for many reasons, but the non-sleeping is probably the worst one. Cause like you kind of would start to fall asleep and then you would just, I would just wake up like kind of, I'd be like in and out of sleep for like two hours and I would just, I'd be wide awake all night. And so like when I finally got out, I would just like clean and do random shit around my apartment. Oh Jesus, man. But I'm waiting. So yeah, <laughs> I'm waiting for this girl to come get me like throughout the middle of the night. So like I'm not sleeping and she finally comes in to take my vitals like three o'clock in the morning. And it's like right after I've kind of already fallen asleep finally, but that's what always happened. Like you'd fall asleep and someone come in like, we need to take your vitals. And she's yeah. like, uh, she goes, okay, the MRI department um, still has four people ahead of you. I guess um, the emergency room was really busy tonight. So they were only doing people coming in and I'm like, Got whatever. You. Okay. So then seven o'clock in the morning rolls along. I'm like hungry. I order my breakfast five minutes later. I'm like, like we're here to take you down for your MRI. And I'm like, it's the worst timing. So I go down there and like, I, for one thing, I like, am kind of claustrophobic. Like my biggest fear in life is being buried alive. Yikes. Yeah. It's and, a bad uh, one. MRI is like not good for people like that. Cause that's exactly what it feels like. Especially when you're pumped up with all this new medication too, that you're not feeling right. Yeah. So what the good thing is, is that when you tell them like, Hey, I get really bad anxiety and I'm like very claustrophobic. They're like, okay. And then they just stick a bunch of drugs in your IV and it makes you feel better. Were you like not fully out, but just kind of like twilight? Um, oh, I was, I hadn't slept all night. I was pretty much out. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> once I got in there, I, but what I didn't know was that they were doing two, basically they were doing two MRIs at a time because they were doing an MRI on my spine again and they were doing one on my brain. Like I kind of had felt like oh, I'd been in right. there for an hour and I'm like, why, did, why am I still in here? And at this point I've been laying flat for an hour. My back hurts so bad. Oh yeah. Oh man. So, so um, I just remember the MRI person being like, Hey, are you okay in there? I'm like, my back really hurts. I'm like, I don't know if your notes say like I have compression fractures in my spine and she's like, do you think you can make it a little bit longer? And I'm Always. like, yeah, I'm like, I can make it a little bit longer. I'm like, how, how much longer? She's like 30 minutes. Like, that's not a that's, that's not, not a little, little bit longer. longer. So I made it maybe fifty two seconds after that, and I was like, "All right," I'm like, "I need to come out." And then they like took they're like, "How bad is the pain?" I'm like, "It's pretty bad." And then they gave me morphine and some that's anti rad. anti nausea drugs and put me back in there, and <laughs> I was done. I'm right back out. <laughs> sleep. And so, um. So yeah, like the the neurosurgeon like eventually tells me uh, he goes, we're pretty sure it's benign, you know, like, but we want to do a biopsy on it. So let's, uh, he's like, we can either do it tomorrow, or you can come back in a week, and like we'll discharge you from the hospital today, and then you can come back here in a week and do the biopsy. And I was like, based on how long it took me to get an MRI, I'm like, what's the chances of me getting bumped and like not doing my biopsy tomorrow and having to stay here? And he kind of started smiling. I'm like, I'll go home. I'm like, I'll come back next week. Good answer. He's like, all right. So the biopsy consists of um, they, first of all, he downplayed the entire thing. He's like, oh, yeah, it's like an outpatient thing. Like, you come in. Like, hey. And my dumbass is like, 
yeah. Wow, yeah. technology is really good. <laughs> yeah, that they can do this like outpatient. I just got to spit and they'll take my DNA from my saliva <laughs> yeah, yeah. in and out. <laughs> like, I was like, man, I go, wow, this is really good. So like go forward like a week. I'm uh they do like an MRI before like I go in my biopsy so that they have like the most, you know, up-to-date accurate data of my, my brain. And then he tells me that he's like, there'll probably be like a, a one inch incision on the right side, like kind of like the side of my head, which is, Oh did a good job because you can't see the scar. Um, but like he goes, we're going to make like a one inch. It's like, it's a, like a, it was like a two inch incision. Um, and then he goes, we make a, he's like, we make a really small hole. And then I found out later, it's like a dime. They drill like a dime size hole in your a skull. Dime. That's what he told me. He said a dime size hole. And then they take like a little tiny, tiny. It's like, a, like, um, a tool that's like the size of like a, a like a, he told me like the size of like a piece of hair. Like a, yeah, a they also said hair. that a short time is 30 minutes. And <laughs> I know everyone, <laughs> everyone he down, he downplayed stuff. So like, <laughs> okay. The whole time, like, and it's so like he's, but he's like, t- he's telling me all this, and then he's like, "You're probably." He goes, "I was like, I forget exactly how it went, but at one point he goes, he goes, so you'll be in the ICU, you'll be here overnight." And I, my eyes widened. He goes, "Did you think you were getting out of here today?" I'm like, "I'm pretty sure that's what you told me," but I'm like, uh, "Like, maybe you didn't." <laughs> he's like, and he started laughing, and he's like, "I don't think I did," but I'm like, "I could if I go back." I'm like almost positive. He's just made it sound like not a big deal. So I wouldn't worry about it or be nervous, which worked because I wasn't. I Maybe that's one of his tactics, right? It might be. And so like the only thing I was mad about was like, I didn't bring a phone charger with me. So like, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't prepared to stay overnight, but I will say that like the most pain that I've ever been is waking up from that biopsy. Cause my, my head hurts so bad. It was like having like a, a pressure, like a sinus headache plus a migraine. Yeah, dude, they drilled in your brain. <laughs> I know, I know. And that's like what the uh the <laughs> the neurosurgeon PA when I had said all that stuff, she goes, We're she's like, We're drilling a hole in your brain. She's like, I don't think you're gonna get an outpatient <laughs> surgery for that. I'm like, oh my like God. now that you say that, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Just get in the car and drive home. <laughs> yeah. So uh so yeah, it's like I'm I'm there overnight and which is which is fine. Um and then two weeks later, they uh, I, I go into an appointment, and um, they told me I have a grade two astrocytoma, which is which is basically a, a brain cancer, and um, my my tumor is in my right frontal and temporal lobe. It actually like spreads between both of them, and <clears throat> it's a little bit bigger than a golf ball, and it's but it's inoperable. So like, there's nothing that they can do. They can't take it out. All all I can do is radiation and chemotherapy, which I've already started this week. So um, I got like second opinions from Northwestern and they kind of said the same thing. Um, yeah. So like it just really crazy from going thinking like, oh, I just have a brain tumor that, you know, is benign and it's not gonna be a big deal to like basically getting a bombshell. Like, yeah, you have, you have brain cancer. And so it's, <clears throat> It's pretty crazy. It's cr- it's crazy to like I don't I I don't ever really like get uh like I don't get sad about it and I don't like I'm I'm very optimistic and very positive. Like I've always I basically told everyone I'm like brain cancer isn't taking me down. Um like it's something it's going to be something else in life. It's not going to be it's not going to be brain cancer. 
Um, so like, I th- I think that's kind of the the th- the thing that kind of sucks is is when you tell people, you either get two reactions, maybe three, but the main two are like, I'm so sorry, and then you get people who are like, oh my god, and they like, they start crying, and when they start crying, I start laughing because uncomfortable situations make me laugh. And there's really nothing that I can do about I can do about that. So like I've had people start crying, and I basically just I kind of have to react with a like, uh, it's okay, it's okay, really, it's okay. I'm gonna be fine. Like I'm going through treatment, everything's gonna be great. And so yeah, like the the whole experience like with insurance and you know like like I've I've been off work for I think now since the seizure. Um. It's like, it's just, it's a lot with like appointments and then lab work. And I think that's part of the the process that gets to be the most exhausting. And I can't speak for people who have like more aggressive cancer or like different types of cancer. Like, I don't know how, you know, everyone else feels, but like the radiation and chemo part just makes me super tired. And the the advice I'll give to anybody about talking to someone who you find out has cancer or um someone you know who has met, like might have cancer is it's like it's nice to like reach out and be a friend but from my own experience I have friends who who reach out way too much and like I and like I fully it's 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 hard to say and it kind of sucks and it's I don't like but it's uh it's it's kind of like, how are you feeling today? How are you feeling today? I've just gotten to the point where I just tell people I'm tired because it's the truth. But there's really not much more going on besides like stuff that you like stuff that you wouldn't care about. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm dealing with my insurance company right now, or like, it's like <laughs> the boring part of it, I guess. Like people want updates all the time. Like I don't have any updates because it takes forever to get going with certain things. Like I found out about my cancer on February second. And I just started treatment this week. So like, I mean, almost a month later and even getting it started was like a huge pain because I didn't have like my chemo medicine. So like radiation and chemotherapy are two different things. Chemotherapy is like chemical and radiation is literally like lasers zapping my brain. Um, so like I take, I do radiation in the morning and I take my chemo pill like I took before this. So the radiation is that where you sit in a lazy boy and they, I wish it was a lazy boy. It's a, it's a really, so they, have you, have you seen breaking bad? That's the, what I'm thinking of. Like when he it's has, not, it's not like that <laughs> <laughs> might be for some people. Like, I think it just depends on where I think where you, you get it. Um, like the way that mine works is I go into, I have like a cool badge and I walk into the hospital and I scan my badge. It's not like, it doesn't say like the hospital on or anything, but like, it's just like, they know I'm there. And then I go to the radiation spot and then they scan my, like my badge there. And I, I lay on a a really uncomfortable, like basically what I'll call it is like a wood plank, almost like you're getting an MRI. And then they put this mask over your face, which I've, kind of described as 
feeling like you're putting on like a Spider-Man mask. But basically it's just like this white like fishnet that kind of like expands a little bit and they just like they put it over your face almost like you're getting waterboarded without the water. Jesus, okay. And uh so like it's just so you can't move and they can keep the radiation that they're doing consistent but like I mean it's all done by software so you just kind of sit there for like honestly it's only about 5 to 10 minutes if that. This um, doesn't seem like a big ask, but I think that you should bring up if you can do it in the back of an ambulance with those lights on. <laughs> feel like out. this would be the time that you should ask. Can someone come that. can someone come pick me up from my house on one of these days and just take me to the hospital? No, I'll get a I'll get a bill for an unnecessary ambulance visit and like I have to pay five thousand dollars or something. Exactly right. Uh yeah. So, so yeah like the basically like once you start going through it then you have to do like weekly blood blood test to make sure that like your your white blood cell count is good and like my platelets and my liver enzymes which is one of the reasons why i really can't drink alcohol like at all for sure yeah um and and like i mean i pretty much haven't been drinking since the seizure because alcohol can cause me to have seizures so i take i actually take anti-seizure medicine now twice a day and it's like i'm i'm fully medicated up and i think the biggest thing i think throughout the whole entire process like i'm cool about all of it and like what will be is what will be and i'll just do my best to like fight it and get through it and keep living a normal life even though i won't really ever have like a normal life ever again per se but like the thing that surprises most people is just how young I am. And I think some people actually go into like a denial about it because they're like, you're 35 years old. Like this can't happen to you. It's very like, um, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of sad, like not like in a bad way, but it's, it is sad to kind of think about like, wow, I'm so young and I have this, like this only happens in like brain tumors like this only happen in like 1% of, I think people in America, I read a stat a while ago. I don't know if it was America or the world. I'm pretty sure it's just like maybe America, but that's how low it is, huh? It's, it's very rare what I have. I don't, I, and I don't exactly know the exact percentages, but I, I know it's a single digit percentage. Has your thought process completely changed since getting that news? Yeah. So I think, I think my thought process and, and everything changed when I actually had my seizure. I don't really necessarily think it was when I had, when they told me I had cancer. I think that was, cause that was to me kind of a near death experience where like, if I hadn't been like lucky enough where someone would have been here, like who knows what would have happened? Like I, cause I don't. Um, but I think like I've, I've said it before to people. I'm like, that person needs to have a near death experience. And the one reason I say it is because like, I really do feel like having this, this experience that I'm going through right now changes the, the outlook that you'll have on life. And you really become way more appreciative for much larger scope things and not like like little inconveniences. Like a lot of people I think complain about a lot of like little things. But when you're like dealing with this, you're like, that's so like so trivial. Like it doesn't mean anything to like in the grand scheme of things. And that's kind of why almost like social media for me has become like this. Like I, I just like I scroll and I'm like, this is stupid. None of this means anything. Like there's so many bigger things and like bigger issues that people are dealing with that 
nobody knows about. And I think that's kind of, I've always been very kind to people and like, as long as they're respectful to me, I'll be respectful to them. I think like, I think it goes more now than it ever has because you just never know what somebody's dealing with. And I actually ran into that occurrence about a week ago with um, like when it snowed really hard and we were having like a blizzard, I'd order some groceries. Cause like when you have a seizure, you're not allowed to drive for six months. Oh geez. So like, I can't, So like every time I go to all these appointments and stuff, like my dad has to drive me. Okay. And yeah. so I order groceries. Basically, if I need groceries, like I'll order them through like Instacart. Right. And my apartment complex is kind of tricky. So I'm trying to like in this middle of this like snowstorm that we're having. I'm like trying to like navigate this older lady to where my apartment is. It's like I'm outside in like this this blizzard. And uh at one point she says it's really nice. All you Instacart people can just sit here while somebody else does your shopping for you. Oh my God. I could tell she's just frustrated. Yeah. I don't ever really use the cancer card too much. And I really refrain from telling most people that I have cancer. But in situations like this, I, uh, all I said there was I'm like, well, if it makes you feel better, I have cancer. And like the, the, the shift in her attitude and like the, I think she kind of maybe felt the like, wow, like there are bigger things in life than complaining about people who like some people, like I think to her, maybe it was some people can't go grocery shopping. So that's why I'm doing it for them. Like, whereas some other people are just lazy. You might've done that lady a favor by saying that because her life might have just like turned right then there. And now her perspective is completely changed. Like she's slowing down now. Like yeah, not everyone's like lazy and has people do their shopping. Like people have some serious shit going on. Take a step back. Think about it. Yeah, exactly. I think that's, and I think that's kind of why I, I use it in those types of situations so that people know, like you don't really know what's going on in someone's life. So like the comments that you might make to someone, like just rethink them. Like don't like some of that negative energy doesn't even put out in the world. Like you don't need to do it. Like someone, like I don't need to hear it. And like, I'm not going to like, I get it. She's probably frustrated. She's tired. And I don't know her story. Maybe she's just got off of working like a 12 hour shift somewhere. And she's just trying to make some extra money. Like, I don't know her story. So I'm not going to judge her for that. But I think like when you do put stuff in perspective for people, like I do it to, I mean, I do it to even my, like my mom or my dad now. And it's like, I'm just like, well, like that's a little thing. I'm like, you're not having to like wake up every day, go to the hospital to get radiation done. And I'm like, you don't have to deal with like the chemotherapy killing cells in your body. And I was like, it's, I'm like, there's, there's a lot of things I think in life that people, I think they, they waste way too much time on and they don't spend enough time like really enjoying their life. And I think that's one of the big things are like enjoying their health. Yeah. I think everything becomes secondary over health, man, because if you have like a million dollars and you live in a mansion, you have like everything you could imagine. But if you feel like you have the flu every single day, I'm not saying that's what cancer feels like, but I'm just using this as an example. If you feel that you have the flu every single day, like when you have the flu and you're on your bed, you're like, oh, man, I wish I could just get up and walk and go out and get some fresh air, like Mm -hmm. moving. That's all you think about. It's just being oh, yeah. healthy. 
take everything for granted when you're not healthy. I think about that right now with being able to drive a car. Like, God, I wish I could get in my car and drive to like Chick-fil-A or like any, I mean, anywhere. And it's, I think that's like the stuff that we kind of, we take, like, I think we take a lot of stuff for granted. And I think the stuff that some people take for granted isn't stuff that you should take for granted. Like there's just like, there's more important things in life. And like what I kind of realized was like my health right now is my priority. Yeah. It's something that I've never really done in my entire life where I made my health a priority and kind of what I was like saying before, which was there were a lot of things that were happening to me. Like I was having, and I'm not saying that anybody who listens to this, like this is your situation. So like, don't become a hypochondriac because of what I'm about to say. Like I was having these really bad, like pressure headaches right behind my right eye, which, you know, coincidentally, my tumor is located pretty much right behind my right eye. So I was having these like these headaches that like it was just like pressure on my eye and it hurt so bad, but I didn't think anything of it. I was like, oh, I'm like, I work in IT. I sit on a computer all day. Like my eyes are just strained. Exactly. Yeah. Like being tired all the time. Um, I'm just like, oh, I'm like, that's normal for people to be tired all the time. Like, you know, everyone's working and, you know, doing life and like people are just tired and like living off caffeine, which is another thing I had to give up. So, like, I'm on a no alcohol, no caffeine. (laughs) Wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. It wasn't easy, but it wasn't as hard as I thought. The caffeine? Yeah. I think think overall, I don't know which one. I'd say alcohol probably was easier to give up. But I also had reduced my caffeine intake, like, for many years ago. So, like, because I didn't, because when I drank too much caffeine, I would be up all night. So that's what happens with old age, I suppose. But like, I think, uh, I'm trying to think of other things. Like I lost a bunch of weight, like randomly. Um, I want to say I lost like over the course of maybe like two or three months, I lost like 30 pounds, like not really trying to. Jesus, man. Good for you. Yeah. You probably feel better, like physically. (laughs) I mean, yeah. Uh, and then of course, like, a lot of it's contributing to like, oh, you like you have you have this tumor, like you have cancer. Like a lot of these things are things that like all I really have told people is if something in you like doesn't feel right, it doesn't hurt just to go to your doctor and have them check it out. And I mean, like not everything needs that, but like I think like for me, I just I had a weird feeling and I actually had said it to my ex like probably maybe maybe a year ago. I was like, I told her that I was pretty sure that I had cancer. Now, have you said things like that in the past? Because I am a, I, I am I a believer like... in manifestation, and I don't think I manifested that because I didn't want it. <laughs> but I do think that, like, I just, I had a weird feeling. I don't know. I'm just, I was like, you know what? The st- <laughs> statistically, here we go again. <laughs> someone, someone I know. Or like someone I love should like be getting really sick or like having like some sort of like major medical like cancerous thing. And I'm like, you know what? It's I'm like, it has to be me. I'm like, I haven't had any sort of like bad medical things happen to me almost my entire life. No ailments. Yeah. Like I've been pretty healthy pretty much like for the most part my entire life. And then like, that's kind of why I had said it because like I kind of started feeling a lot more tired lately and not really myself around the summer. And the things I had kind of said about before, like the weird taste and the weird smell and like yeah, waking yeah. up and him. So 
back to the story of my my spinal fractures they find out that like i've been having these seizures probably so those are what those are called are they're called auras um people who like they're like precursors to having seizures so like it happens to certain people where like they might get like deja vu or like weird smell or weird taste and they're i can't describe to you what they are and they're they are really indescribable it's like there's no word that i think that exists for what you feel um but you just kind of know and so all of my neurologists pretty much have said that my fractures came from having a seizure while i was sleeping that's dangerous yeah i mean good thing i'm in a bed so like you know um because like i the thing i had always failed to mention was like one of the times I, the first nap i had woke up from uh my pillowcases were covered in blood oh jesus man <laughs> i know it was like a scene out of the godfather oh god uh, what'd you horse. make of it like when you saw that winter time dry no like dry air <laughs> you like, just, you just justified mean, any well, possible way man i justified like, everything yeah. so like like of course like when i look back at these things i'm like god you're an idiot like you you had all the signs of like you should have gone i mean in, in all fairness i did see my primary physician and like had told her these things and she didn't pick up on it and neither did the back doctor I had seen after that. So like there were like I had talked to some doctors before then who didn't pick up on what was going on. But I mean, like, I don't fault them. Like, like no one's gonna know that I have a brain tumor with like cancer. Let's say That's if not- you did catch it like on set, like really early, was there anything that could be done anyways? Cause it's inoperable, right? So would- Yeah, it's the the um yeah, because where it's located, like the so when they talk about operating on it, like anyone's tumor, it's like a, a risk reward type thing. Like how much damage could we do going in there, taking out certain parts of this thing Yeah. Um, versus like leaving it in there and just doing like radiation and chemo. It's like the tumor will be with me for the rest of my life. Um, unless like radiation magically shrinks it to it going away on its own, which, which has that happened before they've very, very rarely. Like but this is a rare case as well, so I mean, sure. true. I mean, who who knows? Right? Um, like, I yeah. If it does, it awesome. I mean, if not, it's you're the person that I would bet my money on for it to work. That's I mean, <laughs> that's like I've it's gone both ways though too. Where like I'm like, oh yeah, that could work for me, and then like there's other times where it's like, um, like one percent of people going through chemo develop uh, a secondary cancer, so like you might get leukemia. I'm like, well, great. I see. Like, there's, there's like really low. They're what? Is leukemia a blood cancer? Is that what leukemia is? is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My uncle had that. Like, yes. So, like, I I, like as soon as he says it, I'm like, come on, man. Like, you know, (laughs) like, you know my odds right now. Like, I'm the person that gets this kind of stuff. But like, (laughs) I mean, the way that I've I've kind of looked at it since the beginning was, I'm like, you know what? If it's going to happen to anyone, I'm glad it happened to me because like, I feel like I have the mindset and the mentality and the strength to to get through it. Whereas I feel like if it happened to certain other people, they, mm. they might not know how to handle it. Like I've always kind of felt like, well, this is my, this is part of my journey. And like, this is, you know, we'll keep going until it comes to its end. What do you think that that mindset came from, dude? I'm glad you said that because I, I often feel like that a lot like dude i'm glad that i got in trouble instead of these people or i went through this instead of someone else because i know i could handle it i know i can i i think i uh, 
I remember you, I remember listening to your, like you say that. And I remember when you said it, like it was the one thing that really like stuck out the most. Cause I was like, I think that same way. Mm. It's just, and, and, and honestly, I, I think it's, I think it comes from like life experience. I just think like, like just relationships that didn't work like yeah. male or female, like, um, I think like, like jobs that I've had or like, I think, I think all these like different experiences in life have like led me to this exact point where I'm at, where it's like things are going really, <laughs> things start going really well for you. And then you get a setback. And I was like, eh, well, I'm like, I was, I think I was due for a pretty big setback like this. So I just, I, I think you just have to, like, like I said, it's the, the perspective on life just has to change. And I think once it does, you just, you're appreciative so much more of like everything. And I think when you stop caring more about what other people think, you just say like what you want to say and you don't go that route. I think, I think that kind of builds it too. Stop being influenced. And that's what this entire world has become is just like Mm -hmm. everyone's influenced by what they see. And I don't even know what's, who's real. I don't know what's real. I don't know who's real nowadays, man. Except I know you're pretty fucking real. So that's a relief to hear. That's all all we can do. You know, like I don't have like, especially now, like I wasn't, I mean, before all this, like I wasn't fake by any means. Like I've always been a very big proponent of just being who you are because like, I don't have time to be fake with anyone. I don't have time to bullshit someone. Like, I'm just going to tell you how it is and like how I feel. And if you don't like it, it ain't my fucking problem. Right. It's much easier to live life like that, dude, than having to go through like a web of lies and putting on a fake face. That shit's exhausting, man. Oh yeah. I used to, I used to always talk about it being like the mask, which is kind of funny that I wear a mask now when I have to get radiation. Right. But like, the the times in my life because like i've I've had pretty severe lows where like i was severely depressed i mean like probably more in my earlier 20s um where like i was i was severely depressed i was super like i was like suicidal like i didn't want to i didn't want to live anymore like i um i mean like i went through all that and i will say that like music definitely kid cuddy probably was one of the people like it's funny that pete davidson like kind of talks about how kid cuddy saved his life and i feel like the same way um yeah a lot of people say that about kid cuddy when that album dropped like it came at like the right time for a bunch of people that were like dude you saved my life with that shit that that album did save my life yeah um share a birthday with him too so like my my biggest dream in life (laughs) is to just like no way celebrate our birthdays together so many synchronicities over have a sleepover at my parents' house. <laughs> do you have <laughs> a lot of synchroni- synchronicities like that that you're noticing? Oh Syn- yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think, like, I think those dark parts of like anyone's life. I think like that dark part of my life like helped me mold into this mindset that I have now, which is like when I start to feel depressed, like I know what's going to get me out of it. And so, like, that's kind of what I just I follow like the blueprint that I've created for myself to get to stop like. To not be anxious, like anxiety will always be a thing that I'll, I'll always have anxiety. I don't, mine's not like crippling to like the point of a lot of other people where like, I know like a lot of people who take Xanax and like, I'm, I mean, if it helps you, it helps you. Like, I'm not going to, I don't judge. I think anyone. that's part of the human experience, man, having anxiety. Cause what we have right now isn't forever. Like we all know it ends at some point. So there's going to be an anxiety. There is, but you know what? 
it's all going to end at some point. So you might as well live it the way that you want now. 100%. I think that's like a, a part of like the big thing for me was just like, I mean, it's cliche to say like life's too short. But I mean, like when you get diagnosed with cancer at 35, like you kind of like, that's where, like, I think when people say it to you, it doesn't really mean much. Like when you're like, people are like, life is too short. You're just like, yeah, I guess. And whatever. When it's actually happening to you, like <laughs> in the event of like you have brain cancer, I think it, it shifts and it hits you a lot harder. Than, There's actual yeah. substance to that now. Exactly. It was just, it was just kicking tires and blowing smoke when everyone says like life is too short that's just something you say yeah. and when you're, when you're looking at it like face to face in the mirror like yeah man you're gonna you're gonna have some some thoughts going through your mind and I mean, you can take one or two ways man like you can be depressed about it and basically give up and implode or what do you do you know you like live your life live it how you want to fucking live yeah, exactly. I think that's I, th- I think that's like the the big thing that I've kind of wanted people to take away is like like don't don't undervalue like what you have and cuz like your life could could literally change in the, like the blink of an eye. It's literally. Just, it's literally. Like it it's it's pretty crazy like just like where like the last I mean I would say like the last month and a half has been 2023 in general probably has been like such a blur for me. Like it's just, I think it's the, the, one of the harder things is, is like when you go to bed, like, you know, the person that you are, like, you know what you do for a job and like your family, like you, you have like your, your life isn't like, I mean, not that it's planned out, but like you, you have a pretty stable structure to your life. And when like you find out or like when you have a seizure, then you're in a hospital and then you're off work and you kind of like have an identity crisis. Like that's what I did. I experienced like an identity crisis where I was like, who the fuck am I anymore? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, like I was like, I'm just a guy who was working and like had a dog and like playing video games, like a normal person. And now I'm sitting in a hospital bed. And then I find like, it's it's like, I have a seizure. I have a brain tumor. I have cancer. Like now I'm going through treatment, like radiation and chemotherapy. Like it just, it's crazy to like think that all these things are happening and it's, yeah, it's just just a blur of just like who, who you are. And like, I think the one thing that kind of came out of it was like, what I didn't want to be identified as is uh, the guy with cancer. Like I didn't, I just didn't want people to think of me that way. I just always like wanted to be will. And what you kind of learn is when you, when people find out that you have cancer, they don't, they don't treat you the same way. I think a lot of like some of my friends are, <laughs> they're probably like a lot nicer to me. Not to say that they weren't nice to me before, but like, it's almost like you kind of feel like you're getting babied. Like everyone wants to help out and like, everyone's like, I'm here to help you. I'm here to help you. And I'm like, I, I appreciate that. But like, there's nothing that I have that I need help with right now at this moment. All right, dude, after this podcast, I'll block you. <laughs> Yes, finally. <laughs> uh, how the podcast went really well. You blocked me. <laughs> Listen, man, I think that before this happens, like it's it could have been that you just became complacent with your life and maybe 
that this happens, that there like a filter changed within you. And now there's like, you're going to hit a new gear because you unlocked something that could only have been unlocked when put under pressure or in this exact circumstance. You're exactly right. You wouldn't know, like you wouldn't know how to act unless this happens. Like this is bringing it out of you right now because of this situation. Oh yeah. It's, I th- you're you're 100 right, and like people actually have said that to me. They're like, "Wow, like you just you have like you definitely do have like a really different outlook on life now." And like, it's I'm like, yeah, I do. Like, I'm very appreciative of like of having like of having life, and like and have like I think I I lived my life a lot in fear, like fear of getting in trouble or fear of like, which is probably why my high school experience sucked. Um. Just like I like I was never the kid who got in trouble. Like I just I like I You wanted to fly under the radar? Yeah. Like I just I never like and I I think it was always afraid I would think it was because I was always afraid of what my parents would think if I got in trouble. Or like what my like I was always worried about what people would think and now I'm just like, fuck it. I don't care. Like I'm just gonna do whatever I want. I'm gonna do what makes me happy. Like I don't like I still care about people's feelings, but it's also like it's it's a weird like I'm I'm before all this I was definitely like a people pleaser and like I just wanted to make people happy and and when you kind of step back and you're like well maybe I should like take care of myself instead of trying to take care of everyone around me first mm-hmm. yeah it's kind of a different um it's a different feeling and it's a different like it it waking up every day definitely feels like a lot different but it, like in a good in a good way do you almost f- feel refreshed when you wake up because there's no there's no filter at all this is like pure will right now <laughs> there there definitely is no filter trust me i think my biggest problem was that um even talking to people like i would just say stuff that like probably i probably wouldn't ever say before yeah not like in a not in a bad like <laughs> it sounds kind of bad when i say it like that it's just like um god damn like, will <laughs> you know <laughs> like there's just there's like there's just things that i just um like i said like i just i'm not i don't feel like i have to bullshit anyone like i can just be real with them and i think that's i just i like i just want to be real with people and tell them how i feel about things and if they're being if they're being if people are being assholes i'm just going to tell them that they're being an asshole like i have no problem if there's an opportunity like, that you see that you really want you're going to take it now because you understand oh, you understand that tomorrow is not promised today when mm-hmm. before all this like maybe I'll I'll sleep for time. another day or I'll do it next week time. yeah you just procrastinate you procrastinate. You procrastinate on everything it's uh, just yeah. like, I have time I have time and then yeah and then eventually you're like oh shit maybe I don't have as much time as I thought always like, and that's when it, the- that yeah dude that's when it comes to like life is short and people say that when they're fucking like 89 years old and are on their deathbed with so much regret like dude you had the opportunity you had the chance you had it you had two feet you can go and do that you wanted to do it but you didn't something was stopping you i think yeah i agree i think that's a lot of people i mean i think a lot of people go to sleep one night and then they wake up the next day and they're they're 83 years old and they're like what the yeah. fuck did i do dude and I think that's kind of how I had felt probably through my twenties. And like, after like when this started happening, I just kind of was like, what have you been doing? That's the scariest thing. 
It, it is. So like I, the, the day that I actually got the day I had my seizure, I actually went and got all my passport stuff done like earlier in the day. Look at that shit. Jesus. So my passport, my passport just came in a week ago because I've been saying forever. Like I had decided, I actually had decided before and my seizure that I wanted 2023 to be a really good year. And that I was going to do, I was going to do things outside the box. And like, I was going to like travel more and like, I've always wanted to go to like the UK and like just like just places I visit and I see other people visit and I'm just like, I would love to do that. And like part of me, like the fear part of me was always like, no, you wouldn't like it there. And I think like now I'm just kind of like, just go for it. Who fucking cares? Like, what do you have? What's the worst that could happen? There's this one saying, man, and I forgot the rest of it, but it's like, I asked God for strength and he gave me tough times. Like, so shit like that to build you up, to make you strong. And there's a few more that go go with that, but I forgot what it was. But when I heard it, I'm like, good Lord, man, that makes that makes sense. Be careful what you wish for, because it's not going to come in the way that you <laughs> expect it. There's Yeah, there's I think like you kind of start finding silver linings and more things. Yeah. Um, like. It's it's like the not like the not being able to drive part, like the, some of the silver linings of that are like. I get to spend more time with my dad now. And like we like get to like before, like, I mean, I have a great relationship with my both my parents. But like, I think like as I have gotten older, like I think my relationship with my dad probably like I I don't I don't see him as often. Like I probably don't talk to him as often. But now like I get to talk to him pretty much every day. That's cool. So like there's like there's silver linings in everything that's happened. And like I've met a lot of great people through this. I've had a lot of like I do have a really good support system of people. And I think that's very important. Um, cause like, like there's always going to be days where like, where, especially for me, like where I don't like, I, like I'm not like super like upbeat and happy. And like it, most of the time it's just cause I'm tired, but like, um, you know, like, like it's just stuff that you have to fight through, but it's always nice having someone there who can like talk to you or give you a hug or like, it's like, it's just sometimes like you, you do need that. And I think, um, like I know my friends are like, I said before, like they're always trying to help out and like want to make sure that I'm okay. And like, always ask me if I need things, but mm-hmm. when you have like all your family and like all your friends and everyone's reaching out to you, asking you how you're doing and stuff like that, and getting like 15 text messages being like, how are you feeling? You're like, well, I'm kind of annoyed, but I appreciate <laughs> you. I appreciate you caring about me enough to ask. Yeah. At least, you know, like where they're coming from though. It's yeah. It's right. like, you it's hard because you're like, I'm trying, like, you try not to be mean or like, like, I, I, like, I try not to be mean about it or like, um, but sometimes it's just like, like you just like, it's a little much. <laughs> you can catch someone just right in the wrong moment. Right. And like, I think that's kind of what it's like is because a lot of times, like, I'm waiting for answers from doctors on stuff. Like, this was before treatment started. Now everything's pretty straightforward. Um, but like when I was waiting for like my results for my tumor and everyone's like, any update, any update? I'm like, I'll let you all know when I have an update. And also like <laughs> people would ask me like my, like from fam from a family standpoint, like my mom would be like, did you tell so-and-so? I'm like, no, I'm like, I'm not going through the phone book to like reach out to everyone and be like, Hey, guess what? I'm brain cancer. I'm like, how awkward is that? Like, no one wants that. I'm like, just tell, like, like just tell people like, 
you know, like when, uh, like when you talk to them and I'm like, but don't I'm like, don't just reach out to people for this to be the subject. Cause I'm like, that's the opposite of what I want. And like very early on, I was very like not wanting to tell anyone anything until I knew exactly what it was like, if it was cancerous or not. Cause what I didn't want to do was to go around and being like, I have a brain tumor, but I don't know if it's cancerous or not. And then like, yeah, I have other people who care about me who are all worrying about if I have cancer or not. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's just, uh, just another journey in life, man. Another. Yeah. The, the baseball part with the fractured spine, like that's kind of what, <laughs> that's kind of what caused me from making a comeback, like starting my comeback recently. How's your spine right now? Right now it's fine. It only hurts. So it only hurts in the, in the mornings when I wake up, which usually after I stretch it out a little bit, it's okay. Like I can sit here and I can walk around pretty normal, but like, I'm like, I'm a, I'm a pretty avid golfer. So like, it sucks golfing now. Like <laughs> the worst thing for your back. <laughs> Probably, but I like I refuse. To, I refuse to not golf. Hell no! If you're gonna golf, you golf, man. I don't care. I'm like I don't care if my back. Everything. I'm like I don't care if I'm like literally in two pieces. If I can swing a golf club, I'm gonna do it. If that's what makes you happy, should are you not allowed to be happy? That's what I said. I'm like I don't like I told I told uh, my parents were convinced that my back hurt because I had been golfing. Like, <laughs> which I'm like it's like the winter time. I'm like when, I'm like when's the last time I golfed? Like top golf like a month ago? Like come on. <laughs> my slice like, isn't probably, that bad i know i'm like i'm a pretty, I'm a pretty good golfer I've worked on it I've, i spent a lot of time working on golf way too much time uh i love golf too yeah yeah i played i've been wanting to like i went to a simulator last saturday and that's like kind of gets me the the little fix of golf that i need over the winter mm-hmm. but like uh I think at one point they were they were joking with the the doctor at one point like they're all laughing about me golfing and I like I think my dad made a joke of like something like yeah they're probably going to tell you you can't golf I'm like that that ain't that's one doctor's order I'm not following so. <laughs> second opinion bitch I'm like no I'm like no alcohol no caffeine all right no golf get the fuck out of here. <laughs> okay <laughs> you guys are all crazy this ain't for me <laughs> <laughs> go to another doctor me the answer I want. Dude, so there's like um four people that I know that I didn't look for the answer but have been diagnosed with cancer or something along those lines. And you it's um Katie Bergantino, did you hear about that one? I do know, yeah. That's sad. Yeah, that was really bad. Um Craig Forstall. Oh, okay. I didn't know that one. He's got testicular cancer. He just posted something like last month, I think. And he's going through some insurance stuff as well. So he has like a GoFundMe page because he just started a job. And like, dude, oh. insurance is so fucked up in this country, man. That like, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a fucked up story about insurance. Yeah. No, you can so, go ahead and tell that. So. <laughs> When you want to get, so like, obviously there's a bunch of different plans you can have. Mine is like, I have to go through advocate. Like I have an HMO. It's is what it is. But like, the thing is that when you want to get a second opinion outside of your network, 
your insurance won't approve anything because it's not inside your network. And I'm like, well, what the fuck is the point of getting a second opinion anywhere if you can True. only stay within your network? I'm like, because I go, the neuro-oncologist that I have, like I have a team of doctors who mm-hmm. work with me. Neuro-oncologist is like the main one. Um, She's like in charge of all the neuro units in for advocate like in the area. So I'm like, if I go get a second opinion from another neurologist at another advocate, they're going to go back to her and she's like, oh yeah, that's the person I'm already working with. Like, oh, just man. tell them the same thing I already told them. So I was like, kind of, I was kind of lucky that actually don't know how this ended up working out in my favor, but I, I got a second opinion from Northwestern and I didn't have to pay a bunch of money, like an out of pocket. Not that I know of, I'll probably get a bill in like three months from now, like <laughs> saying I own like $500 for the consult. But that's, that's how it works, man. Like a few months later, you just get this bill. I thought it was free. <laughs> but yeah. Like that's like, just like the runaround of like, I'm like, this is like a monopoly on health insurance. Oh, completely. Completely. Like, I think we're the only dumb. nation to do that too. I think it's just the USA that does shit like this. Oh, for sure. I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I, I love America, but greedy motherfuckers in the healthcare system really need to do something. It's so sad when like people are on the verge of having a heart attack or near death experience and they have to think if they want to call an ambulance and go to the hospital because exactly. how much it's going to cost. That's the most fucked up thing to think about. Someone's you have, you life. Have to, you have to calculate whether whether or not the debt is worth the is it yeah, death man. or debt. In a dying situation, you're like, I don't want to put that strain on my family. That's too much money. <laughs> what? It is it is crazy. It's crazy to think about. Yeah, I was in uh, Japan and I met this Canadian at a bar and he was telling like he got like really sad. He's like I feel so bad for you guys. He like started cheering up about your insurance policies out there, man. It's like people just die because they don't want to be just like slaves to the debt. And he started getting so emotional. I'm like, yeah, man, it's fucking terrible. It's horrible. So everyone sees it. Yeah. I like it's, yeah, it's tough, man. Like it's just all the like different approvals you need and referrals and, yeah. I'm like, I'm going through stuff now with like, like short-term disability and stuff like, which is not, which is kind of separate from insurance, but uh, like, like just the whole process of all that mm-hmm. is so like, that's, I think that's part of like one of the most draining parts of all the whole process is like all, all these different things I have to do. Like besides the actual like treatment, it's like calling doctors and like following, like, taking my medications and following up with appointments and yeah, dude, they make it seem like it's so straightforward to just give this person a call. No, you're gonna have to talk to like 13 people before you get to the right person and they tell you the fucking wrong information. That's what I got sent. Like I was trying to get one, I needed one piece of paper that like I needed someone to send and I got transferred like three different departments. Yeah. And then they're like, yeah, we'll send it. And then a week later I'm like, did this, did anyone ever send it? And they're like, Oh, this person was supposed to send it. They never did. I'm like, Oh my God. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's, it's like, I get people are busy. So like, I don't ever really get too like upset, but it's like some people just need to be less uh, incompetent with their job and like, understand that I like, everyone's going through a lot, but that's also your job. Like I work in it. If someone's computer was broken, <laughs> I wouldn't be like, I'll get back to you in like two days. It goes back to the, uh, the perspective thing 
that you were once saying and you know it's like having a near-death experience changes you and everyone should should have some something similar to that i agree with that but there are other ways to get that perspective and right it doesn't need to be a near-death experience yeah yeah like reading books is a good one talking to people is probably my favorite one which is why i have this podcast and sure i talked to this dude that's from israel and when he when he was a baby like his parents moved him from russia to Israel because they were like being threatened for their life because they were Jews out in, in uh, Russia and it's not a good thing. So they moved to Israel, their homeland, which is a process in itself. Sure. Once, once they got to Israel, they had to worry about bombs, like hitting their house. So the mom and the dad had this kid and they were like cuddling up to them, pr- trying to protect them from bombs that were literally dropping in their city, just like leveling these homes and then i think about this person that's like freaking the fuck out because the flight got delayed for an hour i'm like bitch we're flying a fucking airplane at 500 miles an hour from chicago to florida in three hours like this would take us 16 days in a horse and buggy and like six of you wouldn't make it there's seven of you six of you are dead i drive so (laughs) it's funny that you said that because i just literally i think yesterday i just told someone I was, we were driving, I had to go, like every time I go to Park Ridge, we drive past O'Hare and this, the radiation and the chemo kind of makes me like a little loopy at times and also makes you feel sort of stoned, but it also could be because I might be stoned. Because you might be stoned, yeah. Um, but I remember texting them like, I'm like, how like mesmerizing are airplanes? Yeah, man. Like, if you really think about it, like, oh yeah, I think about that shit all the time. I'm just like, how incredible! Like, that a bunch of people can just get on this piece of metal that, like, three million pounds, just flying, fly in the air. No like, big deal. No, it's no big deal. It's fucking sorcery, dude. It, it really <laughs> is. And I'm like, and I sense, the, like, I say that's kind of stuff. That's kind of the stuff that I would probably. I was talking about that I probably wouldn't say out loud because I'd be a fear, <laughs> fear of judgment. But now I'm just like, I'm just going to say it all. I don't care. Like, <laughs> I'm the glad you're fascinating. Glad you say they're they're take, really cool. Take that filter off, dude. That's <laughs> it's off. So, Will, what's the future look like for you, man? Like, what, um, what happens from here on out? So, I have. Um, my last day right as of right now of radiation is April 24th. Um, so I do radiation until then. And then, and I take chemo, my chemo pill, which so I, have, I have chemo pills. Um, so I take those and then I get four, I get four weeks off after that. Um, and then the chemo, I just take chemo pills after that. Um, and they up the dosage and I take those for like three to six months. And then depending on what things look like, um, maybe like another three to six months of like even higher dosage of chemo. So, I mean, yeah, probably by, you know, like the end of the year, hopefully, um, I mean, hopefully I'm like cancer free or at least my tumor has shrank, which is like the, the goal of everything is to kill the cancer in the tumor and also shrink it at the same time, but it'll never officially go away. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess like, yeah, that's like, that's like I said, I'm prioritizing like my health and making sure that I do all this like the right way and making sure that I'm taking my medication on time and that I'm not skipping it and that I'm following like not drinking alcohol and not drinking caffeine. 
because those all like hurt my situation. They yeah. can cause my they have higher um chance of triggering my seizures. Mm. So like I'm just kinda like um whereas probably before I probably would have said like fuck you, I'm not stop drinking, I'm not right I'm not gonna stop all these things. I'm like, well, you know, maybe I should actually like listen to these doctors who have all this experience doing this and they might know a few things. With it. And so yeah, so like I I think getting healthy is like my priority of my future right now. Um and then once I do that, like I'll probably start trying to date again do yeah. all that stuff but um yeah like right now like this is kind of where that's kind of where i'm at just making sure that i can get myself back to like as close to 100 percent that i can hopefully maybe in the future come back to playing baseball we'll see if i still have like the slur that i had let me know man i know some teams out there that are are looking to be happy to have a pitcher like you out there so once you get healthy hit me up yeah I just appreciate your outlook on life, man. You are <laughs> obviously you probably know this because of the, the situation you're in, but you're you're one of a kind, <laughs> you know. And I don't mean to be cliche or like no pun intended, but hey, the pun can be there. I'm all about pun. I'm very, <laughs> I have very dark humor with the whole situation. Okay. I mean, jokes that I think probably make even more other people feel uncomfortable. Like I like some of the some of them are like. uh like if someone will come pick me up and we'll go to dinner and then they'll like drop me off and be like, well, you know, it was good. It could be my last meal. So, <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> and like, I laugh cause I, that's, that's how I cope. That's how I cope with this whole thing. Dude, that cancer is shrinking as we talk right now. Like fucking is. Com- comedy is so good. Laughter is so good for the soul, dude. I, I've kind of, I've started developing like small, like bits that I can do about it that I've like already kind of said out loud and I get like good reactions. So I'm like, that's pretty funny. I'm like, I'll write that down and I'll use that in like a stand up routine someday. Dude, that's fucking hilarious. I've been writing some shit down too, and I'm going to go next weekend to like an open mic for my first time. So that's pretty goddamn funny. You said that. <laughs> you have to tell me, you have to tell me where. Okay. I will uh, I'll uh, tell you where. Yeah. Like the, so the, cause like one of the big things that I get from a lot of people and I have no problem with any religion or anything like that. A lot of people will give you like the, I'll be praying for you. So when my spine, when I hurt my spine, people were like, I'll be praying for you. I'm like, okay, thanks. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, and then I find out I have a brain tumor and then like more people are like, I'll be praying for you. I'm like, all right. Then I found out I have brain cancer. I'll be praying for you. I'm like, all right, listen, I appreciate the prayers guys. But like, if you keep praying for me this hard, I'm going to be dead by June. Like, can you just chill? <laughs> <laughs> do you see the way things are trending when you pray for me <laughs> yeah and so like i get i get pretty i get pretty good i, I get pretty good laughs about that that's really um, good <laughs> like i just like i always thought it was really funny and then like one of my other friends he was uh he's like oh your parents are both retired i'm like yeah he goes oh he goes that must be the dream i'm like yeah their dream was to have a 35 year old son with brain cancer <laughs> He's like, oh man, like I, I set my friends up a lot for kind of stuff like that, but it's all in good fun. Cause I'm just like, this is just the way I cope with it. I'm like, I make the jokes and I can't help it. Like good, some people man. might be offended by it, but I don't, I don't care. It's my cancer, not yours. Bingo. I'm glad the way you're handling it, man. This is, it's a relief. It was, it was a pleasure to have you on here, dude. Let's, let's wrap this up. I mean, yeah, yeah. 
Jesus, man. Is there any last words or like anything like um, advice or like tips for people or just whatever you want to leave people with? Um, I think, I think just keeping a positive outlook. I know at time, like if, if you ever have anything in life, like, especially, especially with cancer, like I think, um, I think keeping a positive outlook on, on stuff and like making sure that like you're, you aren't defined by the cancer, like you aren't cancer, like you're still a person. And, um, I think just always having a positive mindset and just making sure that like, I know I've heard you say it, but I think just, you know, treat others how like, you know, you would want to be treated. And I still very much believe in that. And I think you don't know what somebody's going through. So kind of always, before you're going to say that mean thing or say, or be negative, like think about it. Cause like, if you're putting that negative energy out there, like nobody needs it. And honestly, like world needs more positivity. There's a lot of, a lot of negative stuff going around all the time. So, um, I think that's, I think that's about it. You know, if you, if you don't, if you feel, if, you don't feel right about something, go get it checked out. Not not everything. Don't be a hypochondriac. Yeah. I mean, who better to take words from than you, man, than what you're dealing with right now. So I, I appreciate you having that positive mindset. Appreciate you coming on here and actually opening up. You're you're so fucking open about it, which is Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really I'm good sorry. to hear. What do you, what do you want to know? <laughs> I think you answered everything, dude. <laughs> But man, I pr- appreciate you coming on here, bro. We'll have to do it again. Um, I won't bug you every single day. Like I said, I'll block you for the first like 24 <laughs> hours and I'll unblock you. And no, but <laughs> hopefully we get to play well, baseball again, man. That was, yeah, that was fun. I, I do remember we played hockey together once too. Are you serious? We played roller hockey together. Oh, roller hockey. Okay, dude. They, yeah, that was like all around fifth Spikes. grade. <laughs> yeah, dude. How, how? Wait, do you remember what age you were when you played roller hockey? It must have, spikes. It must have been like seventh grade. I, I honestly, I was just telling someone that the other day, and I go, I don't even remember how old I was when I played roller hockey. I'm like, I only played one season. I could, I'm pretty sure your brother was all, was the goalie on it. I don't know. That can't be right. Nick, my brother, my was, brother was the goalie for the ice hockey team. Uh, he was the Chris Lake South goalie. I could have swore that your brother was on our team with us. I don't know why, but like. No, I played goalie once on our team. I played goalie roller hockey one time. It was fun. Get back into it, man. Next next uh, year. My spine can't take that kind of shit anymore. Nonsense. <laughs> Not right now. <laughs> Golfing only. <laughs> Oh, well, shit, Will. I appreciate you being here, man. Uh, of course, man. Actually, before we get off, like, let people know. I know you're a musician, so how can people find your music? Oh, man. Um, you can go check. I haven't posted anything on there, and that was part of the, like, uh, we talked about me coming on here a long time ago, but it was yeah. music. Yep. Um, you can go on my my Instagram for music. It's uh, Willith, like W-I-L-L-I-T-H, music. Um. Yeah, I have some songs posted on there. I had started writing an album last year, and I was like super going into this year. I'm like, I'm going to finish it. I'm going to finish it and record it all. And then like all this happened. I'm like, well, this will give me more material to finish it. But um, yeah, I have some original songs on there. I have some covers. Like, check it out. You're really good, man. I listened to some of your stuff. I enjoyed it. And I can't wait for you to get back at it and finish some things up but prioritize obviously yeah that's i mean i got time i got time to write stuff all all the time so 
All right. Will, appreciate you. You're well, sir. Listening. Thanks. Having open minds. And we love you all. Take care. Peace.